same China, different stories. We are the ones that found their way in a new life. Adopted babies, adopted babies from China. afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, if you're listening to this ABC podcast, Adopted Babies from China, we are in the second year and I have another guest. We have Megan. Hi, Megan. Hello, everybody, community, people, earthlings. It's good to be here. (laughs) I was able to catch you while you were in Hawaii, and now you are going to move to, is it Oregon or? Yeah, Oregon, Southern Oregon. You you living in Hawaii is like a really good start. I'm going to switch it up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Can you share more about how you ended up in Hawaii and how long you were there? And why you decided to move. Yes. So getting to Hawaii was definitely a um, pretty spontaneous decision. I had been job searching for 10 months and trying to find a job. And it was very stressful during COVID, obviously. And my, my degree is in sustainability. So it's a very broad, overarching topic. Mm-hmm. Hawaii was the first place to interview me and it wasn't necessarily my first jobs it wasn't like my first priority for the job um, in terms of like but it was mostly like excuse to move to Hawaii and I like to think that one of the best questions to ask and to answer when you're in Hawaii is what are you running to and what are you running from and so, uh, yes, um, deep, deep question. Uh, and I do this a lot now. I think I was running from perhaps past trauma related to like toxic relationships. And quite honestly, mostly though boredom, like I was bored and I wanted a change in my life. And I had ended a relationship and I was like, I want to go to Hawaii and see what this is about. So the job was in the overarching category of wilderness therapy, which is a really interesting concept. And it started about, I don't know, 20 years ago or so. The program I worked out was horticultural therapy and working with uh, adolescents and young adults who have had varying degrees and stories with trauma abuse, Mm. neglect, uh, depression, anxiety. I did work with quite a few adopted students, which kind of opened my brain and openness to like exploring adoption more. So Ah. all interrelated, but as soon as you get into like the therapy world and you're asking the hard questions and you're answering the hard questions and you're working with students in which you can see things from them that you see in yourself, it's just like, Every day is like a, wow, mind blown. Oh, I bet. (laughs) That's how I ended up in Hawaii. And I was there for six months and Mm. I learned every single day. I changed every day. I really think it was life-changing. It's hard. Um, I was quote unquote, I don't want to say I was homeless, but I was in Airbnbs couch surfing for like two months before I found and signed a lease and could, Mm. could like find a roommate. So it was wildly stressful along with starting a new job my first like my first career whatever it is professional I don't even like that word formal job as a as a graduate so yeah but I met amazing people and the culture in Hawaii is Mm. wonderful it was the most diverse place I ever lived which is also why I think I started exploring like I'm meeting a lot of Asians and like I want to know more and I just felt like more myself more natural there Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of mind-blowing and like one of the first interactions I had was a girl on Bumble that I was trying to meet and she was Asian too and we kind of bonded over that and she was leaving Ireland. I was coming and then I don't know ever since then I just feel like I have like more Asian friends now so that's cool <laughs> ah, it is cool and I can't imagine the work that you did working with I, I guess I don't know if they're clients or patients really mm-hmm. Yeah, regards who are adoptees that you're constantly being reminded about your adoption too, right? Yes, oh. I was uh, quote unquote. I used to make the joke. I was like, 
who cries more? Is it the students or is it Megan? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, the students, the clients, the patients, they, mm-hmm. they definitely, what I learned a lot, and I'm still learning about this concept of like boundaries and vulnerability and to the extent to which you can share with the students to build rapport but also like be aware of your triggers and adoption was for sure one of my triggers that I had like I just have not talked about it for years of my life or I'll just get like quiet or like but this is the first I would say the first time where I started hearing about adoption stories and then being like what is mine in relation mm-hmm. how does this affect my work how does how does this affect my life um so yeah I, I mean I would say it was triggering and I think there was one comment that I can remember that was especially like tough where a student said um something along the lines of like oh my parents are the worst I wish I had been adopted like mm-hmm. and as if that was a solution and even though like I I have no judgment towards that comment and I mm-hmm. understand like why that comment could be said but that's like that broke me down real easy and I mean everyone who works there definitely has emotional experiences related to their own trauma but they can like come out of nowhere uh, and hit you mm-hmm. and then but then you gotta like you cry it out you step out you talk to your supervisor and you go back into work and then you keep and then all your processing gets like pushed to the end of your shift so like the experience also kind of sent me back and more curious into delving into therapy, which I don't know, is an uncomfortable topic for everybody. Only recently do I feel like mm. our generation is comfortable talking about it. So yeah, but I definitely do think therapy helps to many degrees, but it's just a matter of like where you are in your process, who you're willing to trust and finding a therapist who can like somewhat not like be an expert on what your experience is, but like someone who you really feel like you can trust and build right. like that relationship with. Um, and it's not, it's not easy. I've definitely like gone through many therapists and been like, yeah, you're, you're not for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even though I appreciate the work you do. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's like a, it's a match in that regards to therapists. It's like a match too. So you gotta have a decent match here. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm going to backtrack because I usually, the first question I usually ask is, tell me about your adoption and your story. If you could share more about your adoption and your family and all that fun yeah. stuff. So I was adopted from Nan Chang. And right now I'm actually still trying to figure out with my dad, like where, because I've, I've been hunting my adoption documents and taking pictures and starting a little scavenger hunt. And we're a little bit confused. He like knows the pronunciation of the place, but we can't, we don't know the spelling. So I was adopted from Nanjing in 1997. So I'm 24 now. My adoptive family, I have a older brother who's 26, a sister who is my age, 24. She's three months older than me. And then my mom and dad and I live in a white family and I grew up in New Jersey uh, but now I've lived in so many states because I've been really inspired by the outdoor world Mm. where you work seasonally so I've worked in Colorado, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Hawaii and now I'll be going to Oregon. I ha- actually have adoption videos. My dad was like an avid, oh. um, like an avid videographer of our earliest childhood memories, which is good because I have a horrible memory. I have a horrible memory. So I'm like really happy that he did that. But I have videos of like him going to the orphanage. He went with my godmother because my mom had to stay home and take care of my siblings. Mm. And he went with like a train of other American families adopting. Obviously things are kind of fuzzy to me, but I definitely have at least memories from those videos of like the, some of where I was, the orphanage was, I have, he brought back some like mementos and like bases and fans and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think some of the pictures don't have the best quality, but um, I've never been back to China. I want to now. Mm. I don't know how or where, or when, and I've, I've been like debating, do I want to go with other adoptions? 
adoptees? Do I want to go with my adoptive mom because she's never been? Do I want to go with my dad because he picked me up? Like, I have no idea. And what else about my adoption? Yeah, weird stuff. So, like, um, after I saw the One Child Nation documentary, I started, like, being like, hmm, maybe everything I was told isn't true. Mm -hmm. So, I've been digging that up. Um, I felt so bad because yesterday the orphanage gave me a Chinese name. And for years of my life, I would not tell anyone. I was like so embarrassed. I was like, you can't know. And then I realized like I've been spelling it wrong the whole time because mm. now have I pulled out my documents. But it was like a name that the orphanage gave me, um, Chow Chan Jing. And only recently have, have I been a little bit more in tune with it. My middle name is Chun. Mm. And I realized that like if people don't meet me, so like with job applying and stuff I realized that like until people meet me they didn't know that like I am adopted from China I, I never start with that um only recently I've been kind of embracing it and so yeah that's interesting I also know that like the the picture that my parents got of the child they were adopting was like not me that's interesting yesterday I found out that I was being fed what is it called it's like non-dairy creamer in the orphanage like that's what they were feeding us because they didn't have proper food. I don't oh, know. I know I was sounds... immunized, but that's about it. <laughs> that's so weird that the picture, the I guess the photograph they got was not you, it was some other kid. But then mm-hmm. when they came to get you, it was you. Well, I'm it was so me. Whoa. Yeah. It's weird. That is really weird. And then I do this thing of like, oh, I've heard other adoptee stories and things are questionable and like your your birth date could even be questionable because I think it's because like younger babies are more appealing to be adopted. Like I always knew that it was like females, they always wanted males, so a lot of girls got sent away. But then my dad was telling me that there's like a Chinese adoptee on the voice and he's like a dude. I was like, that's so interesting. Like, I wonder what his story is, but um yeah, so I would say, like, the stuff I know about my adoption is a giant question mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it allows me to better embrace uncertainty. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't know if that contributes to to things, but, like, one of the one of the big things in which I studied in college was just, like, uncertainty around climate change. And I think being an outdoor educator has allowed me to, like, really embrace uncertainty and the ever-changing world that we live in because like when you're teaching outside it could rain or hail or snow Mm -hmm. or yes (laughs) a kid sees a butterfly and then you start talking about butterflies because it's just like that's the nature of the work and so I don't even know and I'm going on a tangent but um uncertainty (laughs) yes is a huge theme it seems of adoption and like what are you ready to dig up slash do you even want to and Mm -hmm. like it's fascinating. I just submitted my DNA to 23andMe. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of big and we'll see what comes back. And then I'm going to try to like upload that info to another database yeah. for a nonprofit that's like trying to reunite adoptees with their birth families. So we shall oh, wow. see. That's, that's good that you have a very, it seems like you have a very, you know, just going to go with it perspective because it's almost like when you have an expectation of some sort of result and it doesn't happen you're like more disappointed which is really unfortunate but based on what you were saying earlier with traveling work with the work you do you have basically traveled seasonally I I was like oh yeah she definitely has a good grasp of like bouncing back pretty quickly from changes because that's how it is and it's so you just started kind of I would say you just started with your search too, I guess, right? With yeah. submitting your DNA. Oh, snap, I did too. Yeah, it's exciting, right? Have you got it back? I got my 23andMe back and it's mostly distant cousins. <laughs> but That's cool though. It And it tells you more of your breakdown your of the ethnicity even within China, which is pretty cool. So I guess that gives you a little bit more concrete evidence of where you might be born. So that's kind of nice. And then there's another test. There's like an organization called My Taproot that I found about and a lot of adoptees or adoptive parents have spoken about it too. And they require you to do a test through LabCorp, which is like Mm. paternity testing and stuff. 
So I'm working on the process of trying to get that test done because it's like a different kind of DNA test yeah. than what 23andMe does, which right. I found out recently. So it's like, oh, fascinating. Yeah. And I was like skeptical because I also was like, okay, should I cheap out and do just the like treats one or should I find out health history? Because mm. that always has been a question mark. And then I would just did the like, I'm not ready to hear about my health history. So I just mm -hmm. didn't do it. But could be useful because I only recently have I really been embracing like I'm getting near the age where I'm gonna get kicked off my health insurance and oh, yeah. like I will eventually need to settle for a job that gives me benefits so it's it's good to know health stuff instead of it just being like, wait and find out <laughs> and hopefully you got like you were dealt a good hand I don't I don't know there's that idea too out there that the less you know about <laughs> what's coming and it happens you're it's not like you had to prepare that anxiety didn't build for it so yeah I'm on that boat of yeah last I know the less I know about a certain <laughs> situation I can attack it when it happens <laughs> yeah no that makes sense and I don't know yeah I, I think this whole exploration of self thing has made me learn and appreciate time like with yourself and mm. being ready to deal with things as they come so it's like when I was working I was like your whole mindset is towards the safety and supervision of the students so you like forget about your life about your trauma about your anxiety and your spiraling senses of like what is going on in the world because and it's almost kind of beautiful in that way. Like mm. it was an emotionally turbulent job. That's the best way I like to describe it. But it did allow you to like be present in the sense of like, it's not about me right now. But also there's this balance of like, I don't like people saying that like being selfish is a bad thing because like if you never acted to serve yourself, like you would never be able to serve others. And there's like just, a, there's a huge balance of like your mental health and the mental health of others and boundaries and how do you balance these things and how do you be a good friend how do you be a good daughter but just like it's it's a balance and so like I've been thinking a lot about the idea of like of being able to understand your emotional spiritual physical recreational needs and and also doing it for others because there is a tendency to be like you're not doing enough or you're not good enough or you're not helping enough you're not serving enough people but it's like whatever your scale is and whatever your level of impact is along with maintaining your mental health is like it's it's oh, an yeah. ongoing ongoing lesson it's tough it's a tough balance too though because there's all those things that say you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of other people but it's really hard not to sometimes forget to take care of yourself especially and with search too I, I have found and experienced a little bit that it's a lot more emotionally draining than I thought it would be and it's just the process of putting your information out there it's already sort of overwhelming yeah it was like what as soon as I started joining even like following accounts on social media with adoptees or like mm. looking for groups I was like oh my or and then I think 10 minutes before this I googled like how many adoptees are actually out there and I was just like automatically overwhelmed because I was like do I have to connect with all these people like <laughs> or like who um and yeah it's over it's overwhelming and you just like take it as you are able to yeah in um, your own timeline right because it's it's like a side it's just like I don't even know what you call it um but it's important it is but mm -hmm. it is draining and and sometimes you'll take on too much and then you'll be like oh my gosh why did I just read like one of the things that I've been having a hard time is is I found this blog that um is reunion stories and it's like uh, from the perspective of Chinese families being like, it wasn't my choice to give you up. Like, mm, and it's like, I'll get through like three sentences and I'll get teary eyed. And I'm like, I can't, I can't handle mm -hmm. this. Like it's heart wrenching, honestly, the, the stories. So and then I, I play the like empathy game a lot where I'm like, mm -hmm. if I was in the shoes of my mother or my father or my sibling, possible sibling, like what would I do? And 
just the uh, immense amount of pressure that they were under. Yeah. And so your siblings actually in the U.S., like they're both, they're both white too, or are they, yeah, and older? I guess yeah. Like three months. They're all older than me. I'm the youngest, but my sister's three months older than me. My brother's three years. My brother was born, they're all white, but my brother was born in Canada. So I think in theory, he has like citizenship there. But then I realized like, I don't have citizenship in China. And that's something that you like give up when you're adopted. But yeah, I don't know. And also just seems interesting because I definitely think, I don't know in the past, whatever years, as soon as adoptees hit the young adult age and they're kind of curious now they're now like the Chinese government is going to see all these adoptees and be like, I want answers and Mm. whether or not they're receptive to it. I don't know if it's like a crowd of us coming back. Like, (laughs) I don't know if they can really stop it. Um, And they've just like, they, they, oh, othering. I don't know. I don't know how to, but the Chinese government, yes, it will, will face unintended consequences of this policy slash is already experiencing them. And with like sad single bachelors and like, all other sorts of things and for me I think the idea of population control has like I've been thinking a lot about this too with this policy and like with climate change conversations of like what is right can we limit the amount of children that people have to mitigate Mm. overpopulation and it's like uh I think that that is a a huge um thing to infringe upon a person's right to have children uh that there there are other ways and and that like the birth rate is going down because of more access to birth control and education and empowering women but like is it right or ethical or okay to be like you can only have one child that's tricky that is a really Mm. like that is a really tricky thing um yeah so i've been thinking about that a lot (laughs) it's it's fascinating you bring that up because I would say the world, or I guess we more directly are witnessing, and also China is experiencing the effects of doing that for so long. And then I feel like even Korea has already gone through this process too. There are actually, I've been told that there are nonprofit organizations and other, I think there are some government run ones too. I'm not sure. I, could fact check that but I'll probably just leave it <laughs> that the government will help pay for some adoptees from Korea to help find their parents first because I think right now if you want to do anything related oh. to China we are very much responsible for like mostly paying paying for all that services ourselves <laughs> but yeah. it's kind of wild I think it's it's like a vicious circle that the conversations come up about let's limit the population but then let's not limit it and then it'll go crazy and then we're going to want to limit it again and is there a balance that we can find in relation to all of this stuff especially I didn't remember hearing about that with climate change like we should have less people in the world damaging the world (laughs) essentially like oh well but what if we then what happens yeah (laughs) what if if everybody in the world decided to agree to only have a very small amount of children then would we die out sooner? I don't know, probably. So, so. interesting. And, and then just thinking about like family dynamics, like having um, no siblings and, and being like an only child versus having an older brother versus having mm, two younger yes. sisters, like all of that changes the family dynamic as well. And mm-hmm. uh, I've been, I've, I think I've been appreciating the sense of like, I have two families and that's cool. And I was always happy that I had a small family because I always like family responsibilities make everybody uncomfortable, whether they want to admit it or not. But I was always like, oh my God, I remember my uncle's birthday, but he lives over here and the time zone is different. And like, but do I always wish I had like little baby cousins running around? Like, heck yeah, I do. I think that'd be a blast. Like none of my siblings have had children yet. I love kids. Do I want to have kids yet? No, no. Mm -hmm. But, um, But yeah, like just like stuff you think about. And so I think for me, like I've been very leaning on this hope, whether or not it's true though, that I have like an older brother and that he's also looking for for me and that we have like these genetic similarities and mm-hmm. um, 
I don't know. Yeah. The, the idea of an older brother was always really appealing to me. And I do have an older brother. Like, are we as close as we used to be when we were younger? Like, no. Do I know I can go to him if I need to? Yes. Mm-hmm. So. It's, a, it's always a shift in dynamics. I think no matter what in any family, as we get older too, as, as, as kids become adults and our parents are adults too, but you know, it's like, if, if, if anything, I've noticed that shift too. It's like, as I'm becoming an adult and learning more about adoption and connecting on adoption and Chinese culture, that's created a little bit of a shift in the dynamic. And so it's like, oh, we all gotta work through all this again. Okay, cool. <laughs> constantly changing. I think as humans, we are always constantly changing. Hopefully. I guess I'll put a break in. <laughs> Yay, Zoom. <laughs> oh my gosh. Love it. We're here again. That's happened a few times where- You took a pee break. <laughs> a pee break. Just had to go back and uh, disconnect. But I think there was a recent episode where it was such an awkward cutoff that I just kept in everything that happened. Yeah. Like, no, yeah, I like embracing no... the um, the uncomfortability of the yes. situation. Like, oh, well. Yeah, obviously I was like nervous about this. I didn't know what I was going to say and how things, how organically things were going to come out. But I was thinking about like the title of the podcast. Mm. And so I was like doing this thing of like, oh, what topic should I, should I say in this uh, Adopted Babies from China podcast? I was like, big baby, big dream. Like (laughs) we're all grown up now. And then I was like, my obsession with uh, watching panda videos, like of them falling. I don't know. There's just so many, so many oh, things. Oh, but that's just so cute. Even if we weren't adoptees oh, from China, I think we would like that, right? Yeah, it's good quality content. It's adorable. <laughs> it's like, just watch the panda. <laughs> there it is. I know the, the name is very much a play on like a ABC's American Born Chinese. Because I don't know if you were asked that a lot being in the U.S., I guess it doesn't really pertain to um, uh, Chinese adoptees in the UK or other areas of the world because I don't think they'd be called ABCs. Maybe they'd be called mm-hmm. like EBC. I don't know. <laughs> European born Chinese. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't even realize that it was a plant. That makes sense though. It's, yeah, it totally is. It's like, and it, it's catchy. Somebody else was like, why? Babies were all like people. I was like, because <laughs> adopted people from China doesn't sound as ringy. And cool. And everyone's growing and learning. So whatever stage of development you are in, doesn't matter. (laughs) We were all babies at one point, I believe. This is true. Yeah. And we all have a play playful nature about us. (laughs) You're always a baby at heart, you know? I mean, I was listening to I mean, I listen to podcasts all the time, but there was some about the brain and the development when you're a baby is like the really core time where you can take in all the information and you're able to like learn different languages because as a baby you're just absorbing it all and you haven't quite developed your frontal lobe yet where that controls more of your inhibitions Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. your impulsivity impulsivity yes your impulsivity maybe there's that little undertone of being an adopted baby from china we were all so young and absorbing everything going on but then here we are because that's a conversation that has happened and come up too is there's a lot of discussion. There's a lot of language with any community, I guess you're a part of or anything going on. I know I said something about like, yeah, I really got to know the adoptee community. And somebody was like, what's, what's adoptee community? He's like, oh, you know, like a <laughs> yeah. bunch of people who are adopted. And like, oh, okay. I didn't realize that was a thing. I was like, yeah. And you know, there's actually a lot of terms within being an adoptee. One of them, they, people are talking about how like adoption is a trauma from when you were like a baby. It's like, oh, really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know this. It's like it's a whole <laughs> world of just so many things being in ABC, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and created too. I, I think about that too. Of like, what do I want to introduce myself? What do I say? What do I call mm-hmm. myself? Do I want to be? Do I obviously want to like identify as an adoptee? Because then you can connect with other adoptees. Or like, that's not what defines me, question mark. Exactly. Um, but it influences a lot. Like, and I'm definitely doing that game of like, I want to know more about, I had a weird moment with one of my really good friends um, that I worked with in horticultural therapy. And she, we were talking about just like how you can also bond over shared trauma, but the word trauma itself 
has like underlying preconceived notions of like being of something happening to you that is outside of your control right right and it's so traumatic that it impacts your development your psychology like whatever it is and I think the hardest thing for me in opening up my adoption story was that like I was raised by parents who kind of like have this issue with the word victim and that like victim implies that you're helpless and it implies that you don't have like the grit or the resilience or like these things that we love and praise but that are like but like victims also are victims like I was a victim of a emotionally abusive relationship and am I going to be like disempowered by that by calling myself a victim like no I was emotionally manipulated and like had anger like thrown at me and Yeah, I don't know. So like when it comes to like topics of victims, like especially with when you think of like mental health at its most severe when it comes to like talking about suicide, um, it's like, yes, those people are victims. I'm not going to call them anything else than what they are. And so did that influence like my openness to share about my mental health and my situation? Like totally have I, I've only recently started talking with my adoptive parents, another new term, which is weird, mm-hmm. um, about adoption. And it's like, sometimes I don't necessarily feel emotionally safe to be able to have those conversations because you also have to think about their feelings, but you don't want to, you don't want to like suppress your feelings either because right. I did that for years, like years, years, years. And it's so unhealthy mm-hmm. and but it's also hard to feel emotionally heard and seen by people and figure out who those people are in your life and who you want to process with, who you need to. And then also balancing, like, are my problems overwhelming other people? Like, I don't want to be a burden on other people. But I also, like, there's a lot about shared senses of struggles and, like, you don't always need to talk about the good things, like, either, because it's just not realistic. That's not human if all you're doing is like trying to level up and compare yourself to another person and their experience, like that can be not great for your, for your relationship or friendship with another person. And so like, I always go back to the, like we always tell the kids like compare and despair. And like, it is true. It is, it is, there's a lot of truth to that. And, and don't like minimize trauma. It can be bad. Yeah. The negative I should say. Right. It's like everyone has their own experience, their own story, just because, and also just because you have shared trauma doesn't mean that you have like shared resilience or ability to cope or, or access to mental health. Like I've been thinking about this a lot of like who has access, who doesn't, and to what degree are people getting help, receiving help, giving help? Like it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. I think even amongst ourselves, we sometimes like compare our experiences to one another, us adoptee, being Chinese adoptees, we compare to other Chinese adoptees, like, oh, which is, it's unfortunate that we do that too, but I do think that happens as well. It's like, well, my experience was worse than yours, or. Yeah, and that's tough. Like, Like, do I feel guilt? Should I feel guilt? Should I feel sympathy? Should I feel empathy? I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's also interesting because I guess both of us are experiencing it now, opening up the dialogue or trying, well, I'm trying to open the dialogue. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. (laughs) It sounds like you are, which is, that's good to hear too. I think that's such a huge part of, it is a huge part of who you are. It doesn't define you at all. But I have noticed like sometimes like to a stranger, somebody like I go on a date with, it comes up versus people who I've been closer to never really talked about it. How how come we haven't really talked about this whole like, adoption thing because I've known you for so many years what does that mean why is that (laughs) but like some some complete stranger hey yeah I'm adopted because I guess it's also like you may not see them again that could be it it's like oh I may never see you again so I can tell you that and we can go into deep conversation about it and then like never talk again versus I guess people are closer you still feel connected and you're like all right yeah we're gonna talk about this I'm actually having my old roommate live together for like three and a half years. 
And I think mm-hmm. maybe we had like one conversation about adoption, but now I'm going to have him on just for fun. Please. For fun. And also he's a pretty funny dude that I'm going to just like grill him. Like, so adoption, tell me your thoughts. What do you feel? You don't experience it? No? <laughs> okay. Oh, well, I'm going to make you talk about it. You'll probably be like, I don't know what to tell you. But, yeah. yeah well and people's reaction to it also tells a lot about mm-hmm. themselves or if like if it's, if it's been a topic of discomfort before so I yeah I said that too like I actually most of my because I've, I have moved a lot so my friends I I'm very fortunate to have like a very vast network of friends in many states on many coasts even in other countries because of working in the camp world but um, my like hardcore group of friends who I like to call like my new girl friends because new girl as in the show yeah um, okay a bunch of dudes and then there's like me and some of my friends girlfriends but just like they've been my hardcore group of friends since high school where like I really established like mm. trust and a sense of like this is my group and like I can I've now moved to the like you can befriend anyone anywhere you go but there are definitely di- different levels of of friendship and I think I've been challenging I think my guy friends first as guys because guys definitely have trouble like being vulnerable and and like embracing their emotional side which makes sense like I can understand why it's a thing why it's hard to be vulnerable about emotions and why it's hard to develop emotional intelligence in the first place for anyone because like it's not something people are explicitly taught Anyways, but uh, I've been challenging them, I think, a little bit to, like, be open to talking to me about it if that's what I want to. And I have seen definitely support of being, like, if you ever need someone, let me know. But is it something we talk about in a group setting? No. Like, I think about this, too. I was was looking at this meme about, like, me, because one of my interests is climate change. It will always be climate change. And it's, like, dropping the, you're trying to be on a date, but you're, like, oh, climate change is, like, the most pressing issue of humanity to deal with about how we will survive on this planet and then it's like oh does someone want to talk about that like (laughs) oh no and same with adoption it's like I think for both adoptees and people talking like they don't know what to say they don't know how to be supportive they don't know how to validate or they don't not even like I think there's always good intention in people but the sense of like not being sure the proper way to help inhibits people's ability to at least try to help if that makes sense Mm, yeah Um, so I've definitely been thinking about like who do I want to share with this and do I want to write a book do I want to like do a documentary do I want to keep this in my journal I don't know start a podcast yeah like I don't know what my media is like for a lot a lot a long time it's been like photography Mm-hmm. from hiking just because like that is one of the things I'm super passionate about and why I've always kind of been like a wanderer mm-hmm. and then I do the whole thing where I'm like am I wandering because I've had a like trauma that was the, the core idea was identity like I don't know maybe it's <laughs> mm. good question. and then you self-analyze yourself and you're like uh yeah and then like then you end up spiraling a little bit you're like all right how to get back out of this spiral <laughs> it's like let's divert to another activity yeah it's a uh, it's wild I wonder if you know Shaoling do you know Shaoling I think you connected us the first time we talked and oh, I haven't reached okay. her yet but yeah I want to that's my memory here it's like do, have I talked about this with you yeah but Shaoling it sounds like you guys have very similar interests with like wandering and traveling but she's it's similar she was talking about how like a lot of her network is like people she meets just traveling I'm like wow that's a whole it's like brave that you guys do that because to me it's like that's courageous that you guys just you know pick up and move and all the time I mean yeah it time but a lot <laughs> takes lots of guts and I was thinking about this too of like how much it took for me to like well I think the I've always like wanted to do that but definitely to like be like I'm gonna do it is mm-hmm. is a huge difference and even being home right you get this like sense of comfort of like oh these are my friends that I know I've known for 10 years and we make fun of each other but we also just like love and appreciate each other because of this friendship but I do think I have established this like new sense of like even if you're with someone for five minutes like you could establish 
a connection of some sort. And so I've really like, I think Hawaii taught me to like take the time to get to know people, like whether you're at the grocery store or the coffee shop or doing something really boring, like you're standing in line at the DMV, like you can talk to people. And is there, is that weird in some sense of like stranger danger, maybe, but also you have the ability to like shift that person's day. I always like to, whenever I, not when, every time, I would like to think that every time I enter in a, an interaction with a human being, I like to consider like where that person is coming from. So like, for oh, example, yeah. you like you just came from work and like rushing to get here um, and that can be overwhelming. And so like, mm-hmm. where where are both people at? Where have they just come from? And how, how might that explain the energy in the room? Like, I definitely mm-hmm. think I'm a really empathetic person. And when I go into group settings, I can like sense where people are at based off of their facial expressions or like the tone in their voice. One thing I think, I don't know if it's a me thing or if it's because of adoption, but like I am very, very sensitive to tone in people's mm. voice. So like if I sense stress, I get stressed. If I sense anger, I like assume the anger is tar- targeted at me, even though it might not be. Mm. Or um, if I sense excitement, I get excited. So I, I've been thinking about that a lot. And one of my friends, she was saying, uh, one of the students we were working with was adopted and she was saying like, oh, I can kind of tell she was adopted because of this, this, and this. And I was like, oh, are there like, are there giveaways? And I forget what she said because I have bad memory. But one of the things I do remember is she mentioned eye contact. And whenever she said that, I was like, oh my God, I am horrible at eye contact. Mm. I get really, really weird about it. And then I was like, is this an adoptive thing? I don't know. (laughs) Is it a me thing? But yeah, again, like analyzing yourself and your behaviors and your tendencies. The other thing you were talking about made me think of like the whole dropping bombs on people, like being like, oh yeah, I just met you. And let me tell you a story about a little girl who was possibly trafficked uh and maybe not abandoned by her family <laughs> and, it's, and then it's just like who does that but like sometimes <laughs> it comes out I don't even know and I, and I definitely have been trying to be more mindful of like who I who I share with and appropriate mm. times to bring that stuff up but also like are there ever ever appropriate times to do everything like sometimes not sometimes you just yeah. gotta like naturally feel it and accept the consequences I know also like to think of this question though when it comes to like being afraid to share is I've been looking a lot into like vulnerability and one of the therapeutic questions that we ask the kids that I'd ask myself is like when is a time think of a time when you were vulnerable and and it worked out in some way Mm. so maybe you got closer to someone maybe you bonded over something or maybe you just like felt heard and then the other question is like think of a time when you were vulnerable and it didn't work out and I honestly don't I have a hard time answering that question not that vulnerability is like it's tough to everyone no matter what degree of comfort level I think it's always tough but have I had a lot of good come from being vulnerable yes like Mm -hmm. I have and so like don't let fear stop you (laughs) and and definitely cry I feel like that's a big one so don't be afraid to cry you can cry let it out be in those feelings yes radical acceptance yes like accepting all the emotions as they come without judgment because you're a human being you're allowed to feel you do feel and your feelings matter and your feelings can tell a lot about yourself Mm -hmm. I used to be so I don't even know what the word is, quiet, reserved, embarrassed to express negative feelings. And then I was like, I used to think like I wasn't allowed to be angry. Only recently have I been rethinking, yes, you can be angry. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, don't let, but you still want feelings to be able to come and go and you don't want them to turn into deeper feelings. Like one of my feelings that I really think I'm pretty good at not feeling is resentment. Like that is such a, a a feeling I'm scared of developing um, with anyone. I don't want to resent anyone, but I think also I've learned like people, good friends will also be honest friends and they will call you out on stuff that might be bad habits. And so like one of the things people have been 
saying to me recently, which I'm taking, I'm taking more seriously is like, Megan, you can be too trusting and you can be too mm. well-intentioned and it can allow for you to give more than you receive in relationships or attract toxicity to some degree or be a rescuer and be like trying to save people in a way that's unhealthy for yourself and I've been grappling with that a lot of like good friends are also honest friends and like they mean well too and you don't have to any advice like you can take or you cannot take because it's your decision but if it's coming from like really close friends sometimes like you gotta like check yourself (laughs) yeah like with good interest like genuine interest for your well-being it's like okay I'll check that yeah (laughs) oh my gosh you have so much wisdom that you're sharing I was like oh I love it it's very nice talking with you (laughs) thank you no it's so nice to share I feel like I have been this like I've suppressed it for so long and now that I'm ready to talk about it it's like I could go on and on but I won't because people have boundaries too (laughs) (laughs) I mean that's the nice thing about this type of format is I mean like you're telling me everything and like I'm fine I can sit here and we talk about it for as long as you want but yeah like other people could like choose whether or not they want to listen to this episode they can choose whether or not they want to like take time to read notes or any of that so it's like I don't do it for you. I do it for me. (laughs) It's really what it is. Like, I don't do this for other people. And I think sometimes the biggest, most successful projects you might encounter are ones that you do for yourself, not for like the other people. Of course, I'm using people's time to make it happen. But that's like, I don't feel guilty. (laughs) Like, yeah, you want to? Yeah. Yeah, and I bet it really does benefit everyone. And I and I'm curious to even find out like who I share about it and if anyone even listens, slash who listens, slash mm, I know do I ask people to listen. I don't know. Oh, I mean you'll definitely do what you feel is right, you know. Like I I I share it, of course. Like I usually share it. it's like here's an episode and I'll like tag the person in it. But that's not with the intent of like you have to go share it too. I don't do that. It's like I don't. I, I feel like I give very little detail about stuff too. Like that's like this is. I do a quote. That's like the most I do. It's like here's a quote the person said. Yeah. But I don't do a lot of like intro. I don't even do intros and stuff when I'm speaking in the recording. It's like so yeah, you could just I'll let you talk about yourself or I'll ask questions yeah. and let you talk. And so yeah. you have to listen to learn anything. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's true. And I think there's a lot of power in that too, of just like giving, giving the voice to the person. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that that has been another thing of that I've been thinking a lot about is like people trying to talk for other people. That can get tricky. There's a difference, like the whole idea of allyship or al- being an ally, right? Um, mm. And like wanting to speak up Honestly, the only reason, and maybe this is just like oblivious me, but the only reason I found out about like the Asian hate crimes that have been going on, because again, like context, I'm on an island, I'm focusing on students Mm -hmm. and I'm pretty out of the loop of quote unquote, the mainland. And so I had a, a really good friend from camp reach out to me. This was after a shift and she was like, are you okay? And of course, when anyone sends you that, you go to like the worst possible scenarios. You're like, right. what do you mean? Like, d- did the volcano off? No, go off? No, that's already erupting. Like, it can't be that. Like, is there a tsunami coming? No, I, I, I checked that alert. Like, and it had to do with like all these Asian hate crimes that have been going on, which I have, I don't know, filtered out, not been aware of. Mm. I, I assume the best in people. And then people are like, Megan, like, how are you not aware of this? Like, because of COVID, there's a lot. Like there's a lot of hate and um, I don't even know what the word is, like bias towards Asians because of coronavirus. And I was like, really? <laughs> That's going on? Mm-hmm. And then I felt kind of bad. Yeah, yeah. And you feel bad, like, oh my God, I've been so unaware of like the issues that have been facing like my community and how do I feel about it? But anyways, I was just really appreciative that that one friend like reached out to me And then Mm -hmm. I went into my little train of like, oh, I got to like empower myself, educate myself and like share this information because like when Black Lives Matter was a thing, everyone was getting getting behind it. Like who's getting behind the Asian community? Mm -hmm. Um, It's got to be me. 
And I don't think any of my friends knew or were informed or talked about it or have asked me about it. And that's not on them, not at all. But I, I have been thinking a lot about like what stories get covered and what, what stories don't. And how long do stories stay in, in the news and in the cycle? Right. Um, yeah. It really has a lot to do with, I guess, the content you consume. So I guess when it really blew up is when I started to see more of it too. It's like, oh, okay. But before when there was like smaller infractions, I want to say I wasn't seeing them or I didn't hear about them. And then yeah. when it really blew up all of a sudden, like all these little infractions came out too. I was like, oh, okay. Because I actually actively went to look up like, okay, I guess hashtag stop a api hate and now i'm like seeing more of it so i think it's always different for like each person whatever they are seeking out in their consumption too yeah because consumption goes beyond like consumption of food and mm-hmm. yes like consumption of information mm-hmm. and how much how much do you want to handle or do you want to hear like it's yeah so there's something to be said about like it can make you more cynical and it can make you disheartened and how do you overcome that if all you're consuming is like politics or if all you're consuming is like I had to take a break watching Seaspiracy I think it is on Netflix because like that I feel a responsibility to stay updated with um, anything sustainability but then you watch it and then it kind of makes you sick again and then you're like I need a break and do I do I change this habit like when I was 18 and I started sustainability I became a vegetarian like that but do I think that cutting out meat is a solution it's complex it's very like there are so many pieces to it and even the word sustainability implies uh, I think the really good metaphor simile whatever it is was it's like a moving target like you can never achieve it because you're shooting and you're missing and there's unintended consequences and a lot to the story like in terms of a in terms of the climate the people the like new science the uncertainty of climate prediction models like the politics the culture whatever it is like it it is I, I like complexity and um, I try not to shy away from it, but it can be overwhelming. It really can be. Um, and so like how much of it are you able to take and handle and digest and do something about like even the behavior change, what is it? Behavior action gap, knowledge action gap. So like you learn something about your ecological footprint on the earth. And now you're like, okay, if, if everybody lived like I did, it would take five earths for us to be able to like maintain that. And then you're like, but what do I then do with that information? <laughs> do I carpool? Do I get a better right. car? Do I? And then just, it can be a messy, messy uh, mm-hmm. decision of what you change and wanting to be empowered and feel empowered throughout it. So, yeah, it's a lot and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to not be this like perfect, sustainable human that lives off grid and compost and like there's I think all of those things are wonderful but like not everybody do what you need to do within your means um for yourself as well um Mm. and yeah (laughs) I guess that's another thing that as adoptees we get to experience because the country we come from is very strict about what their people can consume and how they consume it but as adoptees of course going to other countries in the world where there isn't as much restriction we get to experience that different life I guess like we get to have our own individuality and choices sort of yeah I feel like so (laughs) yeah and it's intimidating to like own that part of yourself too of like I was born in China and people that I know who I love in my life have pretty negative negative perceptions of China and what Mm -hmm. and how they are and what they do do I hold that I think that's when I also really started exploring adoption was like I have biases towards China too and but also like that shouldn't that shouldn't mean that I have biases towards my family because like if it wasn't their choice 
if it actually wasn't their choice to like quote unquote abandon me like even the word abandon I think is questioned now if that's what was happening like I don't I wouldn't say everybody was abandoned but do I have abandonment issues probably mm. <laughs> probably <laughs> and just like you don't want to be ashamed of the country you were born in yeah. um I am still very I would say unknowledgeable about China. And I think I only recently want to explore more, but I had like one Asian Pacific American class in college. And to be honest, Mm -hmm. it was not a priority of mine. I was like, oh, this is just like a fun thing I'll take. And then, and then it brings up things where you're like, wow, oh, the model that makes sense. Or like learning about like Japanese internment, like that is, ah, yeah. So there's, there's a lot to learn, a lot to explore. But I want to more like appreciate China mm. for things rather than be like disgustful towards China. That one's yeah, that's like that's a tricky one, I think. Mm-hmm. I know you said it earlier, but you do want to go back to see China, right? Do you have any idea of particular cities or do you really want to just go back to your hometown? Yeah, just, I don't open know. Open up open up, right? Like maybe anything. Uh, yeah, and then I'm like, if I go, how long can I be there? I don't even know mm. what the rules are on that. Um, I guess the hope is that I would go back if I match with someone, mm. like a cousin or a brother, or whoever. But also, I just want to go for myself. Like me mm. as a hiker, I was always like, China's not the first place I want to go. But also, like, I was like, I don't know that much about China. And then I watched like some thing and saw like really cool parts of China that I don't know where they were but they seem pretty epic and do I want to see the Great Wall yes would I love to see a panda gosh I hope like I hope they're not extinct right um Mm -hmm. am I curious to go back and see the orphanage like yes Mm -hmm. but I also know that um you can be like stopped by the Chinese government for like exploring this stuff like they can literally be like you're not allowed to do this or something and then you're like well shoot Mm -hmm. or their media tries to cover your tries to cover your story and then it's not really your story because there's some like that's like terrifying so I don't know what to to degree I'd want to do it and then someone also threw the suggestion like what if you went back to China with the other adoptees that were adopted because it was like a cohort it was just like yeah yeah like a group right yeah and so I'm like where are they now I've never actually like I actually don't know but I'm curious like which parents my my parents had the most connection with and like I I know if I asked them I'd be able to be reconnected it's just like at what point do I want to do that I'm gonna be living pretty remote in Oregon and I'm like it's gonna be hard like I know there's networks for adoptees but like yeah I think I'd love to find adoptees in Oregon but Oregon is a big place. Like I was on an island and I, my sense of space has been confused a little bit. Mm. And yeah, still with COVID, like with things, but virtual, I think that's like the coolest thing. Like, oh yeah. I met, I was like, oh, I can just go on this Instagram for adoptees and follow all these people. Like, cool. Mm-hmm. It is powerful. It is really powerful. It is. Well, that's cool if you'll be able to go back and it's wild. I think there's just so many layers, even with deciding to want to, to share your DNA out there. And this is very personal to me, but at the same time, I'm just sharing it with everybody so we can match. It's such a, sounds like a contradiction, this whole search process. And yeah, I think, I think that's been the biggest thing too. I've, I've been at least trying to, I don't know if the word is encourage because like, I think adoptees should be able to come forth whenever they're ready, but also like, if you're supported by another adoptee, then like maybe your fears will be a little bit like mm-hmm. um, calmed. And I think it's just that like, it is a big, big decision and be patient with yourself through the process and try to make it exciting and something like born out of genuine curiosity and interest and fascination and like all of those things that feel bubbly rather than a source of stress or a source of fear or Mm -hmm. a source of like I'm going to find out some really bad stuff or um, because then your brain can just go to the worst like oh what if my parents are dead and that's all I find out like ah did I want that no Mm. but um but make it like make it something that you feel energized by and that you feel inspired by 
because that's really powerful. And like, to me, it's just like, it's, I'm in the process of it being fun. Like, of, oh, I'm doing this on my own. I'm trying to figure it out on my own. Um, like even getting to China, I'm like, financially, would I be able to do that? Uh, probably not now, but in the future, how would I make it happen? Right. And, but it, there is a lot of, I would say, fun in it now. And then there will be a lot of times where I do get results or like some people have been like, you might not even get anything for like years. And I was having yeah. to embrace that too. So I was like, thanks for telling me that. <laughs> why do you have to? I already know that. Something I haven't thought about that. <laughs> I haven't thought. Thanks for telling me that. I didn't even think that was a thing. <laughs> of course I knew that. Come on. <laughs> I don't uh, know. Sometimes people just have to shit on your parade, is what I say. Rain on your parade. Because yeah. I think I had posted something about, oh, I'm starting to do a search is there, what resources can I use? And I guess somebody, I think, commented on it is like, oh, that note that you found could be fabricated, couldn't even be real, and da 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 I was like, okay, thanks for, thanks for that. I wasn't asking for you to question everything that I thanks know. Thanks for pooping on my dreams. Exactly. Like, and bye. <laughs> I was like, I didn't ask that. I just asked, where can I go to, what? it's like, I just, it's a very simple question. It's like, what resources are available? this is what I know. And then that may not even be real. Don't trust mm-hmm. it. It's like, all right, calm down. It's, that could be true. But at the same time, I just started. Like, can we, can we cycle it back here? Yeah. Good old, good old people in the world, right? <laughs> We're all just, some people are not so kind and others are. So there's a balance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have anything you would like to hear from other adoptees or other people who adoption has become a part of their life? Yeah, I mean, I just, I like like to hear anyone's story. I think it's like, it's always unique. It always inspires me to some degree and I always find something that I connect with. So like, am I looking for particular things? I don't know, like I, I, I have a lot of joy in hearing origin stories and Mm. but yeah I guess I'm curious I'm just more curious to hear like what adoptees are doing now in life like what makes them passionate um what makes them curious what inspires them those things just like inspire me so yeah I think that's and like how how are you doing genuinely Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's it's important to be heard and to be seen and to be uh, recognized. How do you like cheer yourself on? How do you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's very positive, yeah. It's like, how do you keep yourself happy, basically? What makes you happy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Despite also being adopted, I guess. And not that's a bad yeah. thing. And like fulfilled too. I love that question. Like what makes you fulfilled? What makes um, you fulfilled? Yeah. That's perfect. That's a good end. Amongst all the other wisdom you shared too. I was like, that's a very nice, <laughs> nice chat closing of the, of the podcast, I would say. Yeah. Uh, oh, did you have any social media you would want to share? Because uh, I think oh. sometimes people will like contact you if they have like questions yeah. and stuff. Yeah, my Instagram, I'm cool with my Instagram. It is M-E-G-A-N-L-O-D-O-N-3. Megalodon, like the shark, but Megalodon. Um, that's my personal. I also, I mean, this is more like I try to target more for people who are actually interested in it, but um, I have a blog that I've only recently been getting back into about teaching outside um sustainability education for like anyone whether it's like an adult a parent a hiker a kayaker rock climber teaching outside various topics around lesson planning and like for teachers who want to do field trips like it's more of like an idea thing that I'm trying to make collaborative but if anyone's interested in that like I love lesson planning and co-creating lessons and being like I want to teach outdoor survival in the desert how do I do that um like I love mm. ideas off people so 
Perfect. Yeah. So if anybody has ideas they would like to contribute or just even talk about sustainability and about outdoor teaching, then they should contact you. That's really yeah. That's the idea. I love that stuff. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. This has been Thank really nice. Thank you. Well, goodbye for now. Thank you for listening to ABC. If you would like to share your story or contact me with any questions, you can reach me at adoptababiesfromchina at gmail.com and adoptababiesfromchinapod on Facebook and Instagram. Go ahead and share your story if you want to or if anybody you know who adoption has become a